Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Who is the God of Israel? This is exactly the question that the psalm that we're going to study today is going to answer. So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 99. In this psalm, we are going to see God ruling over his creation. And obviously, that is a good thing. That is what we want. But we're going to see that much of the world will be bothered by that. Why? Because much of the world does not want righteousness. They do not want justice, nor do they want the character that the law of God manifests. They want what they want, and they choose sin. But God is sovereign, and he is going to establish his kingdom. So look with me to that psalm, Psalm 99, beginning in verse 1, where it says, The Lord has ruled. Now, I realize that many Bibles will translate this word malak in the present tense. It is not. It's in the past. So one should not say the Lord rules or the Lord reigns, but has ruled, has reigned. It speaks about his kingdom being established. And this is important because when his kingdom is established, what is going to be the response of the people? Well, look on in verse 1 where it says, The Lord has ruled peoples. And this word peoples, it's the Hebrew word amim. The term am is people, referring to one group or one nation, one tribe. But here it's in the plural, and scholars tell us that we should understand that in the broadest sense, meaning all peoples, all groups, all tribes, all nations. It's a very broad and inclusive term relating to humanity. So what will the peoples do when God has ruled? He has established his kingdom. Well, the word here is Yer Gezu. And this is a word most often translated here by, by translators as shake or tremble so god has ruled and peoples they will tremble they will shake but if you do a good study of this word you will find that it has more to do with not just shaking but being agitated being bothered by the fact that he is ruling and let me give you a good example of this we know for example in the book of revelation chapter 20 it speaks of the millennial kingdom. And there in the millennial kingdom, it is going to be Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Yeshua, that he is going to be king, he is going to rule over all creation, and he's going to do so with justice 
and righteousness and that which is upright and holy and good for 1,000 years. Now, that is a wonderful thing. Righteous leadership. God ruling over his kingdom with justice and equity and that which is right. But what's going to happen? At the end of those thousand years, the Bible say that the the enemy, that is Satan, is going to be released and he's going to go forth deceiving. And what is his deception going to be? Well, you can read this in Revelation chapter 20. He's basically going to say, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, you don't have to live under that type of government. People should want that type of government. And what is shocking is this. There's going to be a great, that is, an exceedingly large number of people who join with Satan, who believe his lie, who fall to his deception, and they're going to go out of this holy kingdom, a righteous kingdom, a just kingdom, a kingdom of perfection where God's glory is seen. They're going to go out from that. Why? To fight against the saints. They want to destroy such a kingdom. Why? They don't want justice. They don't want righteousness. And this is why I believe it's better when we look at this word, yergezu. We should see it as agitated, being bothered. So God has reigned, but the peoples, they are what? They are bothered. They will be agitated by this. And then it says in the second part of verse 1, Yoshev. Yoshev is indeed in the present tense. So he is sitting, and this is, of course, God. He is sitting, kruvim, cherubim, meaning this. He is sitting between the cherubim, that place on the, the, in the Holy of Holies, there is that that mercy seat upon the ark of the covenant between the cherubim this is where the shekinah hashem the the dwelling glorious presence of god was and it says he is dwelling among the cherubim between them and what happens the earth and then we have a word for moving or being shook shook So what it says here is that when he is dwelling among or between the cherubim, the earth will shake. And this again, this is a word which means not being pleased, not liking the rule of God. And those who belong to the world won't like the righteous reign of Messiah. Move on to verse 2. It says, the lord is in sion that is zion and he's there and he is great this word gadol meaning large or or big so god is great in sion and again this word zion is a kingdom word and this fits the context also in the kingdom of god it says ram hu al kohamim he is exalted over all peoples literally the peoples so he is going to be ultimately acknowledged as great and the exalted one by all people why 
when they see his righteous rule they see his absolute authority and there's going to be something else that's going to be spoken of in a moment but what should be the right response how should the people's relate to god as king and lord and ruling over his kingdom well look now to verse three it says you'll do which means they will give thanks and who will give thanks the peoples and what will they give thanks for well ultimately because your name is great and awesome now that word nora can mean also to be feared so eventually they are going to have to acknowledge and this word for for giving thanks can also be to acknowledge it also can be to throw praise so they will acknowledge your awesome and great name they will fear your name your character meaning they will give priority ultimately to the character of god why kadosh who he is holy verse 4. now verse 4 speaks about his power the first word is the word oz oz is the hebrew word for power and it speaks about melech which means king so a powerful king a king that possesses power and what is he going to use his power for well it says he loves justice so he is going to use his power in order to fulfill what he loves and what is that he has loved justice and therefore you have established equity and this means that which is upright those judgments those laws those statutes which which are upright you have established them and then it says justice and righteousness among yaakov yaakov is the jewish people israel so justice and righteousness you have done in jacob meaning this you can understand this jacob as a synonym for israel or you can understand how god used that individual himself yaakov jacob in order to bring about justice and righteousness and what does that mean well he was committed to the things of god and it was because jacob wanted to walk in the heritage of his father and grandfather yitzchak and avraham it was because of this commitment that caused him to purchase the birthright it was because of this character that we see that that god brought about the fulfillment of his covenant promise that is the heritage of that covenant which is justice and righteousness verse verse 5 the lord our god they will lift up they will exalt and they will bow down to your your footstool why he is holy now i have shared many times that holiness is related to the purpose of god and even though initially the world is not going to want the kingdom of god but those who ultimately will be in the kingdom inhabitants of that kingdom they are going to submit and they are going to acknowledge the greatness of god his holiness that the purposes of god are righteous 
purposes. They relate to his character. And we're going to see examples of godly individuals. Look at verse 6. Moses and Aaron among his priests, and the word priest, (coughs) excuse me, is a synonym for servants. So Moses and Aaron are among his servants, and Samuel among the ones that call upon his name. Now, calling upon his name is involved. It's not just saying, oh God, or speaking Yeshua, calling his name. But when we speak out in the name of God, we are agreeing with his character that it's a holy, that it's a righteous character. And that we want his character to become our character. And that we want to submit to those things that reflect his character in this world. Why? Well, his character is glorious. And we want to be committed to those things by doing them that manifest his glory in this world. That's what we're called to do. And we have examples of individuals like Moses and Aaron and other of his servants, along with Shmuel, that is Samuel. And when we look at the scripture, Samuel, there's nothing written about him negative. Everything about Samuel is positive. And his name means Shmuel has to do with the name of God. He embodied the character of God. So his name means just that, the name of God. Name is synonymous with character. So Samuel, he he demonstrated, he manifested the character of God in his life. And then it says, look at the second part of verse 6. They call to the Lord. And what did he do? He will answer them. So they call and God will answer them. And what does that teach us? It teaches teaches us that God is a responsive God, meaning that when we reach out to him, he's going to be available. When we beseech him, when we petition him in his character for his will, there is going to be a response from him. He, as it says here, will answer. And then we're going to see an example of that among the people in regard to the exodus from Egypt and their time in the wilderness. Notice what it says, verse 7. In a pillar of a cloud, he will speak unto them. And they kept his, his testimonies and law he gave to them. And this word law is chok. It means a law, a, a statute, a standard. So God, his presence was there among the people. That's what it speaks of when it talks about the pillar of a cloud. His presence was there, and therefore when he's there, he will speak unto them. And what are they called to do? To keep his testimonies. And, and he gave to them, as it says here, he gave to them this, this statute, this law. Now, we're talking about something that is just righteous, something that reflects the character of God. And here's an important truth. It is the character of God 
that reveals the purposes of God, meaning this. Everything that God does, it's to express his character. Nothing that God does will in any way conflict with his character. So if we want God moving in our life, if we want God to be responsive, we see he has been and he will be, but it's for those who want to reveal his glory, want to do things that are in agreement with the character of God, who he is. So look again. It says here, verse 8, the Lord our God, you will answer them. And then we see something else. We see how he is a forgiving God, a God that lifts up, and this is to take away sin you have done uh, to them. So this type of forgiving God, you, you have been to them. But God also brings vengeance, it says. But vengeance or, or vindicating, we might say, upon their deeds, meaning that God sees unrighteous deeds and he will bring his vengeance. He will bring his retribution upon that. Why? Because he's a holy God. He's got to punish injustice. Got to punish that which is unrighteous. So God is going to reveal himself through his activity, and that activity manifests his character. And through knowing his character, you know God. So he is the God who has answered them, And it says he is a God that forgives. And finally, that he is a God of vengeance. He will avenge concerning their deeds. Verse 9, our last verse. The Lord, our God, they will exalt. So again, it's speaking about God as he manifests himself as he moves among the people certainly in his kingdom there is going to finally be that acknowledgement among all those who are kingdom people that they are going to exalt god and they are going to bow down to his holy mountain it says here they will bow down the implication is to him but at his holy mountain and of course that holy mountain is obviously jerusalem Another name for Jerusalem, Zion or Zion. So over and over we see, and holy mountain, that term mountain also relates to a government. So his government is going to be committed to holiness. What does that mean? His government is going to be committed to his purposes. And how do you know his purposes? Very simply, simple. His purposes are related to his covenantal promises we can anticipate what god is going to do what he's going to be working for based upon what is recorded in his covenant one of the wisest things that you and i can do is to learn about god's covenantal promises and we see that god is either going to work life or bring death he's either going to bless or he's going to curse he is a god of extremes and we need to see that because we need to be very committed to the things of god we need to be extremists in 
our commitment to the things of God, God's purposes. This is what he's demanding. Look again at our last verse. For they, they are lifting up the Lord our God, and they will bow down to his holy mountain, for holy is the Lord our God. Now, one of the things we see over and over in this this passage, Psalm 99, is that it speaks of holiness. And as I've said so many times, holiness is related to the purposes of God. And God is only going to work in someone's life when they are indeed committed to the purposes of God. So we need to make this personal. We need to apply the the truth here to our life and ask ourselves, am I committed to the purposes of God? Do my resources, and I mean that in the fullest sense, do my time, do my, my, my possessions, do my finances, do all what is, is under my authority, does it show that I'm committed to the purposes of God, His will? Until that becomes a reality for you and you can say yes to that, until you can do that, you're not going to be experiencing God and His goodness. Is God good? Yes, He is. Is He always good? He always does that which is in accordance with His will. But if we are committed to those things that are not part of His will, then we're going to experience God's goodness, but His goodness is going to be through judgment. Why? His judgment is good because the primary purpose of God's judgment for a believer, for one who is in a covenantal relationship with Him, the primary purpose is to set things in order. So God's judgment is good because it brings about a righteous change, a holy change in our life. But again, we have to ask ourselves, is that what I truly want? Do I want God's changes to be part of my life? What He's going to do, how He's going to rearrange, reorder my life, those changes, am I committed to God's changes for me? If you're not, then your life is going to become very frustrating. You are going to not know that peace, that contentment, you're not going to walk around with joy and thanksgiving. You're not going to be experiencing God and know Him as He wants you to know Him. When we are committed to our purposes rather than the purposes of God, God is going to hinder our life. He is going to be moving against us. And we're going to find that, that instead of, of abundance, we're going to lack. Instead of experiencing the anointing, we are going to experience that which is is contrary to uh, anything that we want. Why? Because we don't want what He wants. So it's going to be a most frustrating experience. This is what wisdom is. Wisdom is approaching God in this way. God, I want to hear from you and whatever you reveal to me, whatever is your will for my life whatever you want me to do i am going to do it i am listening and when we approach god and want to hear from him for the purpose of obedience for the purpose of submissiveness when we approach god in that way god is not going to be silent 
nor is God going to be timid. God is going to move. So we have to make a choice. Are we going to be like the majority of the world and and are bothered and troubled by God's rule? Or are we going to want God's rule over our life? See, if we say, oh, I'm kingdom-minded, well, the kingdom has a king. And therefore, you need to make your life submissive to that king in every aspect, in every way. And, And what you'll find is this. As you bring more and more of your life, those things that you have control over and authority over, as you bring them and submit them before God for His purposes, that you use them for His glory, that you are committed to His objectives, when that becomes your your life's desire, what happens? God moves and He will bring joy and contentment and peace he will give you his perspective well you'll see things differently how he sees them and that is going to give you discernment so you can make wise decisions now let me close by saying this when we look at psalm 99 what is it about god revealing his character god revealing different aspects of his rule why god is going to set up his kingdom It is for the purpose of righteousness, holiness, justice. And these things he loves and he is going to use his power in order to bring them about. Both in a a very broad sense within his creation, but also in a very individualistic sense in your life. If you'll submit and if you'll be committed to the things that are pleasing to God, those things that are related to his will. This is a simple psalm, but very profound. In this psalm, gives us instructions whereby our lives can be transformed and be made pleasing to him. And when he's pleased with with a person's life, that person is going to know the, the provision of God in their life provision in the fullest sense what we need to serve him what we need for sustenance we're going to have his perspective we're going to have everything that we need in order that we can serve him in a glorious way well i'll close with that until next time shalom from israel well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.